Hey, good afternoon, Prescott, and welcome back to Prescott E-News Prescott Talks. My name is Glenn Martin, and I am going to go into a mode that I, I'll tell you, the last couple days, I've really been doing a lot of reading, a lot of research. Uh, I've learned a lot, and I hope today we're all going to learn a lot. And with that, I will turn it over to our repre uh, to Representative Mark Fincham from the, from the Capitol. Yeah. And LD11. LD11, so thank Marana, you. I, I didn't write Arizona. that down. Yeah. So, Mark, where is LD11? LD11 is Marana, um, Oral Valley, Saddlebrook, on up to Eloy, Casa Grande, Arizona City. It kind of snakes. So you want to talk about gerrymandering? Yeah. It's a gerrymandered district, <laughs> uh, all the way up to Maricopa City. So gotcha. we, we actually, uh, believe it or not, have more cows in our district than we do people. Oh, there you go. Exactly. So, and uh, thank you for coming in, first of all. Oh, I appreciate pleasure. it. My and, pleasure. and I think that's going to be a very uh, interesting uh, talk between us. Yeah. Um, before we get going too much, I want to know a little bit about you because obviously we're here in Yavapai County and right. you're, you're kind of a, a new name for me um, at least. Well, God bless, has blessed me with a, a remarkable life at 60, almost 63 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a retired DPS officer from West Michigan, moved, was a rancher there, um, have moved to uh, Tucson, Arizona back in 1999. So I guess that almost makes me, I don't know if that makes me a, a lifer yet or not, but, but I've got to be getting close. You're getting close. <laughs> um, and uh, once I moved, I couldn't stay out of the, uh, the public service world, so I was a... Uh, um, hot shot on a Type 2 crew for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Went to work for Intuit. Um, so I've, I had my own business uh, in auditing medical bills, uh, managed the customer experience for Intu Intuit's uh, QuickBooks customers, so mm -hmm. the small business software, right. for about uh, well, six of those years manager, but uh, left the company as a senior manager. Um, with employees on three continents, uh, speaking a number of different languages. And, oh, wow. Um, and then um, one day I got a call from, uh, I was a realtor. Um, I'm allegedly <laughs> retired. I'm supposed to be retired, but there is no such I thing as retired. I know that feeling. Yeah, I, I, right? I retired like four years ago, and here we are. Um, and uh, I got a call from Senator Al Melvin, and he says, hey, we've got uh, a fellow that's going to run for Congress, which means we have a vacancy in the Arizona House. We'd like to... Um, ask you if you'd be interested in running. Mm. Was never on my radar. Yeah. And uh, my wife and I prayed over it and talked over it for a few days, and she finally came to me and she said, "Look, it occurs to me that God's been, pre been preparing you all your life. You've worked, um, you know, for yourself, from from small business all the way up to multi-billion-dollar, you know, Fortune 50 companies. You've yeah. you've been a rancher, so you're in ag. You're in this." You have a unique life experience to bring to that. I'm 100% behind you. And the moment we said yes, doors literally flew open. And so now I'm in my sixth year. That's a great story, Mark, because I'll tell you, uh, God opens doors that we don't even recognize sometimes. And Never we step through either. that and you kind of That's go, right. wow, you know. But uh, And it's been a pleasure. It's, it's so happened to all of us. I was, built, I was built with a heart for service. Yeah. And when I'm not in service, that doesn't mean indentured servitude, but when I'm not in service to my community, yeah. I really feel, um, not lost, but I feel as though I'm not contributing as much as I could be. You know, we're here to talk about sovereign states. And this is something that I, I, 
I'll be very honest with you. I do interviews here mm -hmm. on Prescott E News with our local candidates because I believe strongly politics start right here at home and it starts right at the city council level and on up. Mr. So, Jefferson couldn't yeah. have said it any yeah, better. Thank you. Right. And um, so this is kind of opening a new door to me. So what I did was I, I have got received some briefings and I wrote down some questions that I thought were pertinent. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask you these questions and I'll sure. let you explain them to me because quite honestly, I kind of get the idea, but I am learning as we're going. Understood. So, okay. Understood. So my first question would be, uh, you're an expert in the federal and state sovereign uh, existence and constitutional scholar. Can you explain the express or enumerated powers that Congress has? So let's go back to constitutional scholarship just for a moment. Mm -hmm. The Constitution was written in plain language for plain men. Um, our framers, and, and Jefferson made a very pointed argument that we are the only nation on the planet ever mm -hmm. that begins with power from the people ceded to local government. Local government in turn cedes a small fraction of that power through enumerated powers to a federal government. Okay? So, and this is something that we seem to have lost because Congress, in its desire to constantly deliver something for the folks back home, mm -hmm. which, by the way, they don't have anything to deliver unless they take it from us first. Right, right. They don't. Know. There's a there's there's a, 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 an interesting notion that mm -hmm. you, it's kind of like rebates. I could never understand rebates. Why are you going to give a dollar to somebody only to have them give you thirty five cents back? Right. Well, we'd be in great shape if we got thirty five cents back from our tax dollars, <laughs> but we don't. So. Our position is that, and this is why we started off our country with no income tax, if we're not giving it to Congress, they can't squander it. It's that simple. Yeah. So um, in our Constitution, you'll notice that people, we the people is a capital P. Our, um, the, the idea of our representative government is not a new idea. If you look, happen to look at Exodus uh, 18, 20, and 21, um, it's described there as choose from among you godly men and women. I'm going to put the women in there because I think it was an assumption who have no interest in personal gain to lead you in the thousands, the hundreds, the fifties, the tens. Mm -hmm. It's a Republican form of government. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very biblically based, but the power comes from the people to the state government, the state government as a representative government to the federal government. Now, I'll pose you a question. Mm -hmm. How many elections do we have for president? We have every four years. Mm -hmm. Every four years, how many elections do we have for president? One. 50. Which is? Every Explain. state. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, exactly. Every state is a sovereign. Right. Okay. So when you have somebody who has, I'll say, uh, acted illegally in an election, mm -hmm. who investigates it, the U.S. Attorney's mm -hmm. Office or the State Attorney General? It would be the state. Very good. All right. You're, get, <laughs> I'm learning, you're getting this quick. You're getting this quick. Okay, so now let's go to the question of enumerated powers. Mm -hmm. In our Constitution, there is a, um, a term, and I'm going it, to, it's, it's, Inclusio, uh, it's Latin, and I don't speak Latin very well. 
Inclusio and exclusio are the two terms mm -hmm. that are in this very long phrase of Latin. And, it, and translated means that if it isn't written, right. it is purposely excluded. Okay. Would that not be the Ninth Amendment? Well, no, well, the uh, you're partially correct. The overarching principle of our Constitution is, if it's not an enumerated power, mm -hmm. that the states have ceded a small portion of to the federal government. Gotcha. Under the Tenth Amendment, it is reserved to the states, and if the people haven't given it to the states than to the people. Gotcha. That's where this whole concept of power from we the people comes from the ground up, mm -hmm. not from the top down. And that seems to be something that a lot of folks in government have forgotten. Mm -hmm. You know, I was asked the other day about losing my seat in the, in the legislature. Mm -hmm. uh, here's a novel idea for it. It's not my seat. Yeah. People that can. seat belongs to the people of Legislative District 11. And if they see fit to place me in that position, then I'm there to, to do my duty to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of Arizona. Yeah. That's my job. That's my mission. But that power is ceded to me as their elected representative from the people. That's the enumeration of power. So what we have, and by the way, you brought out the Ninth Amendment, the Ninth Amendment essentially says that each individual is a sovereign individual. Mm -hmm. Now, some people have argued that, that they want to carry that out to the ultimate. Um, here's the problem. When, you're, when your exercise of sovereignty interferes with someone else's exercise of sovereignty, we now have a conflict. Mm -hmm. Okay, This is a great argument, for example, uh, in the... the uh, the birthing question, whether or not a, an infant who is not yet born is. has fundamental rights mm -hmm. that have been given by nature's God. The argument can be made that you are not instantly a child when you travel down the birth canal. Right. I mean, that didn't change in an instant, mm -hmm. okay? So reeling it back into enumerated powers. The Constitution, we really need to understand that when the state delegates were meeting, they were crafting a document where they were going to be called upon to give a small amount of power to the federal government mm -hmm. for some very specific purposes. So, for example, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17, which is commonly known as the Enclaves Clause, says that the state legislatures have to give permission to the federal government to purchase land for the seat of government, 10 square miles, mm -hmm. which was a swamp. Now it's a different swamp. Right. Okay. And for forts, arsenals, magazines, dockyards, and other needful buildings. And you should probably put in there other needful military installations. Right. Okay? Because the entire context of the sentence is around national defense. Mm -hmm. And if you were to go back and read the Madison commentaries, the, the debates uh, of September 5th, uh, 1787. Okay. By the way, if, you, if you're, the folks that are watching this, listening to this, if you use the Avalon Project out of Yale University, it is a, the best collection of 
original papers of the documents. You want to know what was on the minds, what was in the debate of the, the delegates who were forming up what became our Constitution. You can read it. Mm -hmm. It's there in black and white. Yeah. So in the September 5th debate, um, Elbridge Gerry had some serious concerns about the federal government being able to purchase land in a state for the purpose of military activities. And he said, look, you know, if, if they're allowed to do this, they could awe the state mm -hmm. through domination to do the federal government's will. And I, I believe it was either uh, Henry or Sherman, one of them said, well, paraphrased, you don't have to worry about that. The states are all powerful. They're only going to give a small amount of power to the federal government. But okay, if, if we need to put this sentence fragment in, fine, we'll put it in. Does that make you feel better? That's the conversation, and you can see it right in the, the words that are being spoken and that are being recorded by uh, Mr. Beersley, who was the secretary of the convention at the time. It's all there. It's all there. Yeah, exactly. And it was very specific. Mm -hmm. If, and, and as you read that, and this is where I think you were going with your question, we now have a federal government that either claims, buys, or refuses to uh, cede land mm -hmm. once a state has become a state. Arizona. Yeah. Okay. Arizona now has, according to the Arizona Farm Bureau Federation uh, as of 1997, we, we have in private hands 13% of the land in our state. Now, if you were to go to states east of the Mississippi, yeah. New York, 97% is in private hands. They don't have a problem with hunting. They don't have a problem with access. They have state parks versus national parks. But something that has been very disturbing is that we've got organizations that will gift land to the federal government, mm -hmm. that will sell land to the federal government. Well, that's a violation of Arizona statute. Arizona statute 37.620.02 requires that anybody who's going to make that sale come to the legislature and gain the approval first, and then the governor has to sign a proclamation, a resolution, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. that permits that sale to progress. And is that being violated? Uh, has not happened since 1981 when the law first took effect. Hmm. So one of the, the reasons this has come up is Congress, um, and I'll get back to the enumerated yeah. powers in just a moment, but Congress, through the uh, Federal Land and Water Conservation Fund Act of 1965, took it upon themselves to say, mm, we think that we need to fund the purchase of private property. Well, that particular account, and it's the Private Property Acquisition Fund under the law, currently has 11.8 billion taxpayer dollars sitting in it. Now, some people would say, well, that's for a conservation easement, that's for a waterway easement, that's for this easement, that easement. We, we need to have the, the authority to buy land. When they say authority, it's like, well, hold on. Yeah. Shall we go back Let's to go the back. book of authority? Yeah. Okay. So, under the enumerated powers concept, mm -hmm. if it's not written, it is specifically excluded. Right. Other than um, clause, I think it's seven, for post roads and post offices, and for military installations, the states never 
gave the federal government permission. permission in the Constitution to purchase land, the very thing that makes a state a sovereign, uh -huh. to Take the land that was ceded to that state and take it back into federal control. It's not yeah. anywhere in here. Yeah. Okay. So there's a great, I caused a great deal of hubbub this, this session. Uh, House Bill 2092, uh, 2092. If folks want to look it up, they can go to azleg.gov, mm -hmm. click on bill tracking, and you can look at the bill. You can read the bill. Yeah. Um, there are these things called travel management plans that BLM and the Forest Service is engaged in. And so the, the argument's always, well, the federal government has to do this so that they can protect public lands for public access and use. Okay, but a travel management plan actually is denying public access and public use. It's for the sake of the environment. Yeah. Well, apparently they've forgotten that the Navajo have been here th since 1360. <laughs> and before them, there were men and women here who worked and, and farmed and hunted game and pretty much the same activities we have today. Now, granted, they didn't have ATVs, yeah. but the federal dollars, taxpayer dollars, have been used to build trails, to build um, wilderness campgrounds, mm -hmm. so that people could actually get out onto public lands and enjoy them. Right. Again, I come back to, where's your authority for the for Congress to own, to possess what used to be that land, which is the state, it's what makes a state sovereign. It's what gives a state footing with our sister states. Yeah. It's interesting as you speak, and I'm listening to you, and, and again, this has all been new to me. I'm, I'm actually following and understanding a lot of the I guess the encroachment of the federal government on right. state land, right? right. I'm, I'm reading this right, correct? And we're You're reading it right. And in our enabling and, act, for and example, I'm, and I'm hit, and I'm getting this, and I wanna, I wanna tell the audience real quick that if you have any comments, questions, or anything like that, please type them in the comments section because I got the expert right here, and we can answer those questions if you have them. I'm, um, I'm happy to answer. You know, it, it, it's a great venue to be able to sit down and, and talk about this I stuff. appreciate the opportunity. It's, it's very cool. So you were kind of saying, we were talking about um, uh, the, uh, um, the enumerated powers. So where does Arizona uh, as a state stand on land holdings? Well, 13%, I think. Uh, I think that's, you, I've you got a graphic here yeah. from the, uh, the folks at the... Uh, uh, Farm Bureau Federation. This kind of puts it into perspective. Let me, let me hold this up okay. this, this way here. There we go. That puts it into perspective. The white That's... is private land holdings. Yeah. Now keep in mind, it's private land holdings that generate property tax uh -huh. that pay for education, that pay for infrastructure, that pay for public safety, the courts, mm -hmm. fire suppression, all of those things. So is it any wonder why the Arizona, the state of Arizona quite often is accused of being one of the lowest paying states for education, which by the way, there's some evidence that says that we're not the lowest. In fact, with what the legislature's done over the last five years, we're kind of middle of the pack. Yeah. And we're competing with states that have twice 
the yeah. land holdings that are in, in property tax. So this has an impact on all of us. I mean, Far-reaching. When, when I talk about the, the consequence of what we're, what, what we're dealing with here, this is how it affects the citizens. Any other way that you can explain, not only to our education system, what other impacts would it have to everyday people like me? Well, I mean, you look at things like fire suppression, mm -hmm. law enforcement, emergency medical services, um, anything that is funded by, if you just take a look at your property tax bill, mm -hmm. everything that's on that property tax list is affected by this. Okay. Think, about, think about this for a moment. If you have a section of land that is purchased by an NGO, and I'm, there's so many of them out there, I'm not going to name any. But let's say, I'm sorry, a non-government organization. Thank you. I was just going to say sorry. NGO. You it's just jargon. I, I try. <laughs> so a non-government organization, typically a 501c3 of some kind, that is dedicated to the so-called uh, protection of the environment, whatever that might be, mm -hmm. which, by the way, hasn't worked out so well because we have massive forest fires. But the point is they, they will buy that land and then give it to the federal government. Let's go back to the enumerated powers. What is conspicuously absent in the definition of what Congress may possess, mm -hmm. post offices, post roads, forts, arsenals, magazines, dockyards, and other needful military installations. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't say military, so if I'm gonna live by my own rules, yeah. I can't include that. But if you look at the context of that sentence, yeah. it's not a parks, a national parks office. Right. That's not a needful building right. in, in the national defense. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's that one little absent. If they'd have added military purposes in there, you and I probably would not be having this conversation. Gotcha. But it's conspicuously absent the authority for them to establish a national forest. Now I'm not arguing the point right now about national forest or or national parks that i'm not arguing that point right now what i'm arguing is does congress have the authority mm -hmm. not the right the right is issued by the people right well so is the authority so the people have not given congress dominion over that mm -hmm. through the constitution What's interesting is when we begin to look at um, where, where's the jurisprudence around this, the, the, the law that supports this, zip nada, none. However, when you look at jurisprudence around statute, those things which Congress has said, well, this is, this is our authority for doing needful legislation. It is rife with all the legislation that is a justification of, well, we need to do this to protect the nation. Well, except it's conspicuously absent that you have the authority to own property within a state. Gotcha. Well, so a simple question. So when I'm sitting here in Prescott and all that national forest property to our north, and all, is this, are you saying that this is something that shouldn't be there or it should be granted to the state rather than the federal government, which I believe natural forest is federal land? Well, it's, it's federally controlled land. Okay. It still belongs to the people. Okay. Gotcha. The question is, who's controlling it? The question is, um, and, and like I said, I don't want to get in the argument right now about national forests. And what I'm trying to do is stop the sale with 2092. Gotcha. Stop the outright sale of private land to a federal government that lacks the enumerated authority to be able 
to purchase it. Gotcha. So in 2092, if I can just mention the bill for, yeah. for a moment, because it, it used to be that we would put, and this was apparently quite some time ago, that we would put things into law with the expectation that executives would actually do what the law said. Gotcha. So we have the governor, we have the uh, secretary of state, we have the superintendent of public instruction, and we have the attorney general. Those are all four elected executive branch offices. So we have the executive, we have legislature, and we have the judiciary. Three branches of government. If the three are not in union around how a law is to function, we have a break in, in government in, in the continuity of governance. So, for example, the executive can do something that the judiciary says, eh, 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 can't do that. Gotcha. WOTUS, Waters of the U.S. is a prime example. Uh, the EPA overreach. Mm -hmm. That's where Congress stepped in and said, EPA, you have now done something that we did not permit you to do. We did not give you an enumerated power within the law to do that. Gotcha. So we're now talking about checks and balances between the various parts of government. 2092 is an effort to put a consequence into the law that already exists, by the way. You, mm -hmm. you already have to come to the legislature and gain approval for that sale. Right. But Nobody's ever done it yeah. since yeah. 1981 when the law came into effect. Yeah. So what 2092 seeks to do is actually put a consequence for title officers, the escrow companies, to make notification and make application to the legislature. They have a sale pending, and they simply want to know, will you approve or disapprove of this? Gotcha. Now, that has fleshed out a couple of defects in, in process. So what happens, you have a, you have an, a contract with a, uh, a seller and a federal government. You have a meeting of the minds mm -hmm. that's been negotiated in good faith, and legislature steps in and says, this isn't for military use. It's not an enumerated power. It's not an enumerated authority. Mm -hmm. um, we have no choice but to say no. Okay, now you got the seller who's left holding the bag on property. You might have, let, let's just say, you have a, a rancher that's 63 years old. Yeah. And uh, what is he going to do with a section of land for $2.1 million in value? Yeah. What we have devised is a relief mechanism, and this is in an amendment to, to the bill, so folks would see that. Um, out uh, in on the website, the legislative website, we the step the state would step in and say we will meet the price that you have negotiated with the federal government, so that makes the seller whole. Right. The state retains its sovereignty, mm -hmm. and the land would go into a state agency for resale to a private party at some later date. It's achieved all of the necessary objectives. The federal government has not been able to purchase property where it would be able to exert even greater domination over the state, can't hold the state in further awe. Mm -hmm. It also preserves the sovereign footprint uh, of the state in having our land stay with us. Now, it, it does take, this mechanism does take the land off of the tax rolls temporarily, mm -hmm. but it would be our expectation that the executive governor's office would direct whatever agency is going to hold this. It would probably not go into the state land trust because it, it, we've, we're researching this right now, but it looks like the only land that the state land trust can have is that which has been ceded to it by the federal government. It's an intric intricacy yeah. of law 
that we have to flesh out yet, and we're we've got staff looking at that right now. We only have like a minute left, Mark, on this. Gosh, segment. it goes so, so fast, doesn't it? You know, you're doing great here on time, but you know, the last question I have for you in this segment is, what can the citizens of Arizona do to help you with Bill 2092? Wow. Um, if you go in a to, minute or less. Okay, if you go to <laughs> azleg.gov, you will see on the left-hand side on the tabs line, Senate and House. Click on that and you'll see a word members. Gotcha. You can find each and every member. And next to that is their email address mm -hmm. and their phone number. Pick up the phone and call them and then follow it up with an email ad, uh, note to them saying, I support this bill because we can't afford to lose any more land. I mean, when we're at yes, yeah. that, yeah. we lose one more percentage, we're at 12%. And here's the thing that the is ultimately, is the, the threat is real. Here's the thing that's ultimately unfair. I sell my land, you have to pick up the slack on property tax, which ensures that your property taxes are going to go up, which diminishes the value of your property down commensurately. That's not at all what the framers of our Constitution had in mind, and that's why it's not an enumerated power in the Constitution for Congress to take property away from private ownership. We're going to get into that on our next segment. All right. When we get into it, we'll talk about the effects that it has on your property and your property rights. Thank you for the opportunity. So I appreciate much, it. I appreciate you bet. it so you much. Bet. We're going to just take a quick break. We're going to change batteries on our camera, and we'll be back. Let's give it maybe 15 minutes. Until then, Prescott, thank you.